I want us to take out our Bibles today and turn with me, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 6. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 6. And I want to minister a message entitled, A Boy, His Lunch, and Jesus. A Boy, His Lunch, and Jesus. We find in these, uh, in, in fact, I want to just, let's back up a little bit and we're going to go to verse, well, let's just start reading at verse 1 so we get the full sense of uh, what is going on in this passage. Uh, the Bible says this, starting at verse 1, it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not be enough to buy, or be, would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves. And two small fish. But how far will that go, will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So he gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I want you to see today, especially in verse 9, I want to just take note of this boy who was there at the crowd as that crowd gathered to hear Jesus on that particular day and Jesus knew what he was going to do. The Bible tells us that he knew what he was going to do. But that little boy, when he arrived on the scene, had no idea that Jesus was going to take what he had and he was going to use it to bless so many. And I want to speak especially to the younger age today. This can also apply to everybody as well. That what you have to give to Jesus may not seem like much, but He will use what you give Him. If you will be available to be used by God, God will use you. I want to take note, first of all, of this boy. Let's talk about him for a little bit. Because the passage is sort of conspicuous by some of the things that are absent from it. One, in fact, is this, that we don't know his name. 
The boy is just a boy. We don't find out who he is. We don't see any kind of of, uh, passage talking about where he came from, who this boy was, whose parents, uh, you know, uh, who his parents were. We don't see anything about this particular boy as it relates to his identity. And a lot of times I know that the world puts in front of us the desire to have this incredible, great, popular identity that somehow we have got to be known by everybody and that is going to be what makes us important in life. Can I tell you today that the importance of this boy in the story is not his name, it is his, it is his availability and what he had to give over to Jesus. He was not popular. We don't see anything about him. We can't say that he was, you know, somebody that everybody was looking to, but this little boy was noticed because of what he had in his hand. What he had in his hand was small. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what he had in his hand was available to Jesus. Sometimes the world says, you know what, in order to have any kind, uh, make any kind of impact, everybody has to know you. I want to tell you and challenge you today that some of the individuals who have impacted our world for Jesus Christ are individuals that people have rarely known. If you were to say their names, they would not be known by anybody or very few. This one missionary was a man that I knew growing up as a boy. If I were to mention the name Bill Wilson to you, You might think of a Bill Wilson in New York City. That's not the man that I'm talking about. A man who has a great ministry to children, is a pastor of a church there. But that's not the guy I'm talking about. If I were to say this man's name, Bill Wilson, you might not know who he is. But Brother Bill Wilson and his wife Mary were missionaries to Africa for many years, for many, many years. In fact, it was their entire ministry. He pastored here and there a little bit off and on, but his ministry was to reach out to a a lost and a dying world. Very few people around this country would know Brother Bill Wilson, but Brother Bill Wilson had an impact upon the world for Jesus Christ. In fact, when I was just a baby, just newly born, my parents wanted to dedicate me to the Lord. Brother Bill Wilson came as a visiting guest speaker. And as he laid his hand upon me, he prophesied, as I was a little baby, he prophesied that I would be in the ministry. Just this little brand new newborn baby. On another occasion, my mother told me about a particular growth that I had somewhere on my body. I don't remember where it was. I can't remember the full story. But she said, Brother Wilson came. And he laid hands on you and prayed for you, and that growth disappeared. Brothers and sisters, you may not know Brother Bill Wilson, but I want you to know that though he lived in somewhat of an obscure place and ministered in Africa and other places, I want you to know that heaven knew him because of what this man was willing to offer to God. And i got to tell you today that the world might say, your name has got to be in lights. For everybody to know you, for you to have an impact, and I want to tell you, for you to have an impact on the world that we live in, you simply have to be available to 
Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my all and I'm going to serve you with everything that is within me. For all we know, he was an ordinary boy. There was nothing extraordinary about him. There wasn't anything that we could say about him that would say, wow, you know, that guy, I've been around some really talented people in my life. I've had the privilege to be next to them. I've had a privilege to minister with talented people. I've had a privilege to, to be around some really, really top-notch individuals. But you know, when it all comes down to it, it's not your talents and your abilities that make you be what God wants you to be. You might say, I am the most ordinary person that there is. And I got to tell you, that's all right because God uses ordinary people. Andre Crouch wrote a song many, many years ago called Ordinary People. And that, that song just simply says that God uses plain old ordinary people. You don't have to be extraordinary. You don't have to have incredible talents and abilities for God to do something mighty and something great with you. You simply have to be available and let Jesus do the work in and through your life. This boy was ordinary and yet in his his ordinariness, I don't know if that's a word or not, but in his being ordinary, Jesus was going to use him to impact greater than 5,000 people on that day. You might feel ordinary. You might feel as though you're just a little bit in the, the, the behind the scenes. And I, I got to tell you today that God is in the business of taking ordinary people and making a difference through them. You see, when God does that, it is that He gets all the glory for it. You can't look back at a talent or an ability and say, well, you know, I really had to lean on that or lean on this particular thing. But the Holy Spirit can do something through your life if you are willing, like this little boy, if you're available. Now, I don't know if... You know, he could have been sitting there around with, with the crowd and, and maybe he looked around. I don't know if he looked around and saw nobody had their lunch. He was the only one with lunch. And you know, if I'm sitting in a crowd and I'm the only one with a lunch and everybody's getting hungry, that lunch is going right inside my jacket. Cher, are you kidding me? You know, looking around in the crowd, there's greater than 5,000 people. Nobody packed a lunch. Except this little boy. And I don't know if he's thinking to himself, man, how am I going to get out of this? All of a sudden, Andrew notices him. Come with me. Okay? He comes with him. All of a sudden, he's standing front and center in front of Jesus. Well, there's this little boy. He's got his lunch. Jesus says, all right, give it to me. Now, he's standing in front of Jesus. He knows it's Jesus. So I don't know if he's taking this thing out of his jacket and saying, here you go and wondering, what am I going to have to eat now? But he gives it to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, i got to tell you today that what you have may seem so insignificant. It may seem so small. But I want you to see the spirit of this little boy. He was willing to give what he had to Jesus. Whatever it is that you have, you say, I don't really have much. I don't really have anything to give. I'm reminded of the little story of the little boy who was, you know, was invited to church by some, uh, one of his friends. And every week he would hear the pastor say, 
Now it's time to give. And he would notice, and it was one of those churches where at the front of the, the, the church there was the offering basket or a big large something that they would drop it into. And so the people as they would come, they would come and they would give, they would come to the front and they would drop their offering or their tithe into that particular basket. And that little boy noticed this week after week and he realized he didn't have anything in his pockets to give, but on this one Sunday he was so excited. He was just so ecstatic. He came in and he couldn't wait for the offering to be taken. And as soon as the pastor stood up and said, now it's time to give, the little boy ran out of his seat, raced to the front, got up on the table and sat down in the offering basket. The pastor looked at the little boy and said, little boy, little boy, what's wrong? What are you doing? What, what's the matter? He said, pastor, he said, I'm so excited today. He said, every week I've heard you say that it's time to give and I've watched people come up and give money. And he said, all of a sudden, after hearing your sermons, I realized that even though I don't have money, I don't have anything to give. He said, what I realized is I've got me to give. And so today I want to give my all. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, you may not feel as though you have much to give, but be willing to give your all. He was willing to give what he had. His attitude was that Jesus wanted whatever the boy had to give and he was willing to give it. There was no holding back of what he had. He recognized that what Jesus will do with it, Jesus can do great and mighty things through a life that is sold out to him. He was an ordinary boy. He was a nameless boy, at least from the text. I'm sure he wasn't nameless, but to us he was nameless. But I want you to know that he was willing. Let's talk about his lunch for a minute just to make us all hungry, if you're not already there. His lunch, the lunch was just enough for him. He didn't have a lot to offer other people. It was only enough for him. And sometimes we think that what we have in our hands is only enough for us. It's only enough to live on. It's only enough for us to get by on in life. But brothers and sisters, this lunch transferred from the hands of somebody who couldn't do anything with it other than to consume it. And it was transferred into the hands of somebody who could multiply it who could do something great with it. You may say, I don't have very much to offer God. You know, somebody, uh, God asked Moses what it was that he had in his hand, and Moses said, I've got a rod, just an ordinary stick. And yet he said, throw that stick on the ground. As soon as he did, that stick turned into a serpent. He said, all right, Moses, grab it by its tail. Very wise advice. Don't grab it by the head, grab it by the tail. He grabbed it by the tail and it became a rod again. God will use whatever it is that you have. And this little boy had a lunch that was only enough for him. And yet when you take what it is that you have and you give it to the master, I want you to know that when it's transferred into his hands, he can multiply what you have and he can bless many with it. I also want you to notice the second thing about that lunch. It didn't look like much to others. We read the scripture and we read it where Andrew said, but what is that among so many? 
You say, well, you know what? I don't have much to give and the world looks around and my friends look around and they say, you know what? You're trying to live for Jesus really in this kind of a, an age, in this society, in this culture that we have, you're really going to try to do that? And you say, well, it's tough. It's tough to live for Jesus. I don't know if I can do it. But you know what? If you will be willing to give what you have to him, he will take your life and he will make you a blessing. He will begin to multiply your talents and your abilities and your strengths. And he will use them for your glory. If you will give your all to him and give your best to him, he will use you mightily for his kingdom it may not look like much but I got to tell you that when it's in the hands of the master he can do great and awesome and mighty things with that particular thing now let's talk about the master a little bit the Bible lets us know and let's let's just look at these verses of scripture again the Bible says this in verses 10 through 13. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. In other words, Jesus was about to take this tiny little lunch and he was about to bless many with it. He said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. John is not even taking into consideration the addition of women and children in the crowd. There were huge crowds. Some people estimate, some, some historians estimate, there could have been upward to 20,000 people there that day if you begin to multiply families with wives and children and all of that. The Bible says, Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Did you hear that? As much as they wanted. This little boy walked up with five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus begins to break it. And he begins to multiply it. And he begins to give to people. Now people are hungry. And you know when you're hungry, you will overeat. Well, some of us will. <clears throat> I realize many of you, you know restraint and you, you know... But some of us, when we're super hungry, we're just, you know, we're shoveling it. The Bible says that they had as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I want you to see today that Jesus can do incredible and mighty things. I've already said it, but let me say it about the Master. About Jesus, He will use what you give Him. Say, I don't have anything to give Him. Then give Him your heart. Give Him your life. Give Him your all. Say, Lord, I'm available to be used by you. You know what? It's only when people are willing to be available to be used by God that God can do great and mighty and awesome things. You remember the story of Gideon. Gideon was somebody who was weak. He was hiding. He didn't focus on his talents. He focused on hiding and being in an obscure place. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up and says, God 
is with you, you mighty man of valor. He wasn't a mighty man of valor at that point. At that point, he was afraid. He was scared. And yet, as the angel began to talk to him about the plan of God for his life, he recognized that God had something greater for him than what even he had in store for his own life. And when you give your all to Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, he will make something mighty out of you, something great out of you, something beyond even what your parents can dream for you. I've got to tell you today that Jesus will use what you give him. And by that gift, he will bless many. He will have an impact on the world. Not only that, but I believe that Jesus, if you will give him your very best, he will take you and elevate you to a place like you had never known. I am always blessed and moved when I read the story of Joseph. Joseph was, at that time, was the youngest of 12 brothers. He was a man who was always seeing visions, always having dreams. And those dreams always involved everybody bowing down to him. His brothers hated him for it. We remember the story in the book of Genesis where Joseph was sold into slavery. Sold as a slave. His father was lied to and led to believe that Joseph was dead. And as Joseph found himself in Egypt, in every area of his life, he flourished because he was sold out to the Lord. He was given totally to the Lord. And yet, as he was faced with adversity after adversity, Joseph found himself in prison on one occasion. And there, as he interpreted the dreams of two men, a butler and a baker, he equally interpreted both dreams accurately. One would be elevated back to the kingdom. Another one would meet his death. All of a sudden, Joseph is thinking, I'm going to get out of here after this one. And no, he wastes away in prison. Until finally one day, that butler recognizes, you know what, I remember this man who could interpret dreams. And as Pharaoh had had a dream that he couldn't quite get his head around and couldn't interpret, he wanted to know the meaning of the dream Joseph is brought before him, and the Lord uses him to interpret the dream for him. And Joseph is now all of a sudden finding himself elevated in the land. Pharaoh puts him in power, second in command only to him. Why? Because God was a part of his life. Because God used him for his glory, and he was sold out to the Lord. Can I tell you, young and old alike here today, if you will give your best to the Lord, if you'll give your all to the Lord, God will do great and mighty things through you. Who knows what you can accomplish if you are willing to say, Lord, I'm yours and I'm yours completely. Who knows who will be impacted for eternity because you decided that you're not going to go the way of the world and the way of the crowds, but instead you're going to follow Jesus Christ with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. For the young people who are going back to school, I want you to know this. That there are going to be people around you who are going to look at you as a Christian 
as though you're something strange. That's all right. The Bible tells us this, that we are a peculiar people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We have been called out of the world for a specific purpose. God has something great in store for your life. He wants to use you to lift Jesus higher. Without Jesus Christ in our lives, we're just sort of searching endlessly and hopelessly. But with Jesus, He can give us purpose. He gives us meaning. He gives our lives. I want to tell you, He gives our lives a reason to live, a reason to do something great for His kingdom. I I once heard one of the renowned atheists, in fact, he is a poster child for atheism and yet even some atheism uh, some atheists shun him because he's so he's so kind of whacked out and crazy but i heard him once say this that we literally and this is what evolution teaches this is what other things teach you that we have no purpose in this world none whatsoever but i got to tell you that that is absolutely false Because the Bible says this, and God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. He said, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. I want you to know that God has a great purpose for you. Evolution can't give it to you. Atheism can't give it to you. But God gives you a great and a wonderful purpose that says, I want to use you for my kingdom and for my glory. I believe that God can use the young people of this generation to have an impact. That if you will simply stand for Jesus, stand for what's right, and like this little boy, be willing to give what you have in your hand. It may not seem like much to people around you, but God can use whatever it is that you give him. That I believe that this generation can see a mighty revival and a great move of God like we have never known. And it can begin among our young people. That the young people can begin to see God do great and awesome things through them. Wouldn't it be wonderful to all of a sudden begin to see a revival that would, be, that would spark out of the young people calling upon God and crying out to God for more of Him? It would be an awesome thing, a mighty thing. And yet I believe that God is able to do great and wonderful things through you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.